man. Yo, what's up? What's the name of our show? Uh, the Ordinary Radical Podcast. Tell me about it. Ordinary Radical Podcast is a podcast that will help you know church leaders and pastors, ministry leaders, uh, to grow in their discipleship and leadership and mission. Did I butcher that? Did I do okay? You did good. I'm oh, thank you so much. Really, I mean, you didn't write that down or anything like I that. I know. Yeah. I'm so, I'm so very proud of you. It's good to have you in the house today. I know, man. This is like. This is his place, Dr. Brandon Boltner. There you go. Man, it's so nice to be in your new church. You, you've you yeah. been, how long has it been? About nine months. Nine months? In, My goodness. homestead of mine. So if you're listening and you don't know, uh, Jonathan and I live across states from each other mm-hmm. on different sides of the state. So he's in town today. You're speaking at a, at a, a, a university. Yeah. And, MOBAP. Uh, MOBAP. Shout out to MOBAP. And so you were able to come into my humble commode and and sit and chat yeah i'm pretty excited pretty excited i love what you're doing by the way here at the church it's super cool well thanks yeah god's just breathing some new air and holy spirit working and yeah so you're you're very encouraging yeah <laughs> can i just like fill my whole church with you that would be fantastic yeah and man i'll, I'll come be, in a second i just you know really I love what you're doing that would be so good <laughs> yeah uh which brings us kind of to our topic today uh as I was looking at churches and what God was doing in my life just a f- couple, three years ago, uh, I was looking at different options for churches. And so our, our topic today is kind of something that I went through. And I went through, is God calling me to plant a new work? Is God calling me to sort of revitalize something else? Mm-hmm. Right. And it's, there's a tertiary idea of you just going into a church and, and fulfilling that. But every church in some ways a revitalization because that's the reason why you're there. That's why you come right mm-hmm. um and so we're talking about sort of planting versus revitalization some of the differences and if you're thinking about these different things what that means and uh we probably should give a definition yeah by the way uh north american mission board nam uh we see here the mug send network <laughs> missouri we're thankful for your support and to give financial giving uh, to the cooperative program that feels a great commission so little promo sbc dun, dun, um, so I guess like, you know, both are really hard, yeah, you know, what, church planting and revitalization. What's the difference? What, what does that mean when we say those words? Okay. So for me, I would define it this way. So I would think church planting is hard because church planting doesn't have a building. You don't have a budget. You don't have like scratch mm-hmm. really. And then, then you're starting new vision, mission, so forth. Right. I think the other hand, church realization, it's a little easy, easy, but at the same time hard because Versus different church planting, church validation has a building, has already the constitution bylaws, has the legwork of everything. Mm-hmm. However, it's a dying church usually, mm-hmm. a lot of times. And there's even a difference between revitalization and replant, mm-hmm. right? Uh, so, so you know, you can categorically find that on NAM's uh, website. Uh, but I think revitalization, so both are very difficult. I would say church plant is like a jet ski in the, be- uh, in the beach. And revitalization is like moving a huge ship out of the bay. Okay. Yeah, that's how I think because there's history to the church, revitalization. Church plant is easier because you can leverage, there's no baggage they're carrying and so forth. But it's really hard because you don't have the funding, you don't have the people, and you have to kind of be faithful in the work. Yeah, and I think you just hit a caveat there because at one point you said, church planting is easier. And then at one point you said, revitalization is easy. And that's the problem, right? They both have good parts and they both have really hard parts. Yes. Right. So they have easy parts and difficult parts. When it comes to to planting, the majority of churches that are planted 
are going to be new works, right? Like I know a guy who comes out of a huge mega church and they're sending him with a team and a semi and a lot of money and, mm-hmm. and he's planting a church and, and I, it, it hits me. I'm like, what? <laughs> like you get all that's that's like a that's like a Christmas gift, you know, but for the majority of people that are planting, you're doing it because one God has called you and you shouldn't have done. You shouldn't be there unless God calls you. Uh, and it's a, a new work in an area. So like you said, you're creating your bylaws and all this stuff, but you're also having to raise funds, mm-hmm. which I don't know about you, but like raising funds is very counterintuitive to just my nature, like going up and saying like, I, I would like, would you support us this, this amount of money with your love? You know, it's, it's counterintuitive. And so uh, I, I did go through a bunch of classes though. I believed God was going to, was going to plant and that's what he was calling me to do. And so we mm-hmm. went through classes to learn all these different things. And we'll talk about that more. But I'll tell you what I ended up in is more of a revitalization, um, bringing along all the cool church planting tips and things that I had with me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So I think a lot of times, you know, Orchard somewhat is like a revitalization as well as a church mm-hmm. on the Kansas City side. But one of the things I talk about as we put this, we call the refocus team, mm-hmm. as we're thinking through strategically through the vision, mission, values, and strategy. Mm-hmm. Some way having a disruptive pathway in the leadership pipeline that's uh, written, laid out, you know, try to have a buy-in for that. I think a lot of times, you know, statistically, even SBC, we're a big family. There's total of like 47,000 churches are, that I'm yeah, part of. Yeah. But it was interesting. I went to a replant work uh, that yeah, NAM was putting together. Um, you know, Bob, actually, he's from St. Louis. He's mm-hmm. one of the representatives for NAM. Uh, but one of the things that are interesting, statistic, he said only about 10 to 15% of churches, just even evangelical, are actually succeeding and growing yeah. somewhere in a healthy way. He said, the staggering reality is this. He said, 70 to 80% of churches either have plateaued mm-hmm. or in decline. Yeah. And then he said, 15 to 20% of churches or dying, mm-hmm. ready to close their doors right now. Right. That's shocking to me. So majority of churches actually, or actually plateaued or declined. And that's, that's where revitalization is such important, needed work. Right. But revitalization takes a church with humility though. Uh, because if, if you have money in the bank, there's a lot of churches that will not even consider, you know, uh, closing the doors or bringing in someone to to change sort of the DNA of the church. And so there's a lot of dying churches, like you said, that are sitting there and they're going to last. They could last 10 more years because they've got money in the bank. It's just sitting there and paying off their loan and paying off their things. Um, but it takes humility, right? Uh, I said a word just a second. I said DNA. That's a big difference between church planting and church revitalization. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Whenever you plant a church, if you're thinking about that, you're creating a brand new DNA and there's less baggage that's usually connected to that mm-hmm. um, because you're thinking of what is God doing in, in this new DNA. Whenever you go into a, a revitalization like I'm doing, you spend some time, you got to figure out the DNA of the church. Mm-hmm. And it may be different than than where your heart's at or uh, what, what you're understanding. Um, and so it, it becomes understanding the DNA of the church. And then over time, it's a slow, it's a slow process maneuvering that towards the vision that God has placed in your life. Yeah. And you know, there's so many different reasons why 
churches have plateaued or declined. And that's hard to identify. You're reading DNA. It's like, you know, reading culture. You know, I say culture is like asking a fish what water is, mm-hmm. right? And just like the fish is, like, I don't know, I just swim in it, right? This is where I, what I breathe and you know, live through. In the same way, like when a culture of a church, you, you got to historically look at it, past, present, future, and take a proper kind of honest diagnostic. So some churches, I'm not saying all churches, Perhaps your church has plateaued or business will call slow bleed has happened because churches have found themselves to be content of doing church rather than being the church. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's a lot of blame could, could, could be shifted, but sometimes churches are dying or ready to close down because they have not learned the biblical importance of Hebrew 13, 17 mm-hmm. to follow leadership. You know, that's the reason when a pastor comes in, you know, uh, there's opportunity to lead, but my goodness, there's so much baggage at times that mm-hmm. churches are carrying. I'm not saying all churches, but you know, we need to ask these questions. Why, why is this a problem? And and then for me, like that's where a shepherd would come in with the team comes in and they would find a spiritual problem. The good news is to spiritual problem, there's also a spiritual solution. Mm. You know, so uh, so that's where it kind of gets me fired up and excited to help. Uh, other churches, because actually, like I said, majority of churches throughout North America, at least, are actually dying because they have lost the sense of the mission of the church and so right. forth. And yeah, so anyhow. Yeah, and mission, uh, mission, you know, that can that can change. It changes over time. You're, mm-hmm. you're specific, I mean, all of you obviously are, are our command, our, our our mission is to make disciples and baptize them. We know that, but every church has sort of a local mission statement, and that changes over time, and it'll change with new leadership. Um, but you said something that I want to go back to. You talked about baggage. Baggage is a, a big deal. Um, I was telling my wife this week. Uh, I was we were thinking about some some pastors and stuff that are struggling, and I I told her I said you know ministry is just hard. Mm. Ministry is hard. You're dealing with, you know, Jesus came, Jesus said he came for the spiritually sick, right? Mm. And that's who we minister to, the spiritually sick. Um, and so ministry, it, it can just be so, so hard. Whenever you enter or if you decide on a plant or a revitalization, you got to know what kind of baggage you're going to walk into, mm-hmm. right? Um, with the revitalization, there's already hurt feelings. There's going to be some. There, there may be a family that, that runs that ministry, that runs that church, that has kept the doors open. There's going to be um, all these things. And so you you spend some of your time just understanding group dynamics and sociology and just really hearing people's hearts and unraveling like this messy, messy hurt within a church. Because it's, it's not until you unravel that and can figure some of that out before you can create something new. Now, uh, then there's planting. And when it comes to baggage of planting, people people typically think new work, new feelings. But here's what I've come to realize a lot of plants can be filled with people that are hurt from other churches. Oh, yep, yep. And so you find out, you know, someone comes and like, yeah, I left this church because, and you got to realize like, okay, I'm filling up my plant with hurt. Like, like I know that ev- I need to be out there evangelizing. I want to fill my, my church plant up with new believers, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but you're going to get a lot of hurt too. So there's mm-hmm. baggage either way you go, right? Mm-hmm. Um yeah. So, so you know, uh, I think kind of piggybacking on what you talked about, ministry is tough. Mm-hmm. I also kind of recognize, and again, this is not every church, you know, but again, it's just asking the right diagnostic questions, identifying what is, you know, perhaps, you know, maybe you've, I've heard this term, the golden calf of the church. Mm. 
you know, oftentimes I say ministry is tough, but also I have to speak to young people that say ministry is not about you. Yeah, yeah. It's not about your kingdom, your agenda, your platform. And when I point fingers, I'm actually pointing three fingers at myself. And uh, humble recognition that we are just stewards of Christ's church it, for such a time as this. And, right. and then I think when that comes in, and which is really idolatry, actually, and that can as birth of the fruit of jealousy that comes out. Mm-hmm. because you're trying to build and you may be saying, you know, leaders may be saying, I'm doing this for Jesus. I'm doing this for Jesus name. I'm doing it for his kingdom. But then, I mean, the sad reality check comes in to me. I remember one point in my ministry, it's like, Jonathan, you're saying you're doing it for Jesus, but you're doing, actually doing the name of Jonathan. Mm. And uh, that was uh, wow. I just needed to repent and I needed to look to the Lord and ask him like, we need you more, Jesus. We need your truth. We need your mm-hmm. reality. And, and that's where scripture comes in reality of the hurt people, right? Mm-hmm. People who are in their present helplessness, at least to future hopelessness. They're overburdened and weary. And the words of Matthew 11, 28 through 30 is so comforting. Jesus says, come to me, those who are overburdened and weary. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Come to me, for I'm gentle and lowly at heart. More mm-hmm. and more I realize uh, that's where we need to build our church. That's where people need to come to the reality that at the heart of Jesus, that people are looking for rest. They're anxious. They're depressed. They're hurt. And let's point them to Jesus through the scripture. You know? That's good. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's revitalization. And when we're called to come to, to God, uh, you know, he, he, he loves us. He takes us. But that this, this whole thing, it's a process. You got me thinking about that. One of the best bits of advice, maybe I've given it on the show before, um, when I was looking at planting, there, there's there's something about a planter. Uh, I read a book in the beginning of it was like, if you think you're going to be a church planter, I know that you're a couple things prideful. And because you, you really think that you're going to start a new work and, and it's going to blow up and people are going to be saved. And that's just like, there is a little bit of pride connected to that. Um, and so I think church planters and in Pastors in general, we come into it like this. But this bit of advice that the guy gave me, he said, look, there's so many planters. They get out there and they just go, 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 go. He said, take your time. He said, do ministry like Jesus. And then he asked me, how did Jesus do ministry? And the answer is, well, he walked. He walked everywhere he went. He was very intentional, slow paced. He took his time. And whenever the shot came, he made it matter. And that's that's how we humbly come before ministry. Um like like you were just saying, you know, we come to Jesus, yeah, and just take your time. That's my that's my bit of love advice for you guys. Take your time in whatever you're doing in ministry. You, mm-hmm. something, you have something to yeah, say? Yeah, yeah. You know, I just really piggyback on what you just said. I think a lot of, you know, I, you know, my church is just like 20 minutes away from Midwestern Baptist Hill Seminary. Yeah. So I'm often, you know, spending time with college students. They come visit our church. We're thankful for seminary students. I think they have a huge role, in mm-hmm. fact. Um, um as much as they need a church, the church needs them. Right. And uh, one of the things I, I tip, you know, we had a student intern who was going to a Bible college this summer. And I often said, you know, I think young pastors, ministers, seminarians overestimate what they can accomplish in the first year of their ministry rather than 15 years of God's ministry. There you go. Yeah. You know, and uh, and I think, I think again, young young guys, you know, and, and they would never say this verbally. I don't think subconsciously. I remember it was in my class in cultural dynamics of co- congregational leadership mm-hmm. a class. I took a Moody when I was in the undergrad program. Uh, they said, you know, 
you're getting one of the best top-notch Bible college education here. And somehow, somewhere, you would never say this, but you think you deserve to be in a John Piper church. Mm. You know, somehow you deserve to be in this mega church of 6,000 people. But the reality of majority of the churches today are actually mm -hmm. 100 or less. Mm -hmm. And then they get shocked. I was like, wow. And they even apply for 100 churches and they don't hear from any. Yeah. And that's just a reality. Mm -hmm. You know, it's just, um, you know, and I'm not just trying to be, you know, doom and gloom, like reality of ministry, you don't understand. But, you know, I just think like when God calls you anywhere, let's just be faithful. You know, let's be faithful in preaching the word, faithful in discipling, faithfully in pastoral care, counseling, mm -hmm. shepherding, visiting, you know. Um, and I think that that makes the world of a difference, whether church planter or in a revitalizer. Yeah, that's good. You're talking about being called. Um, that's something that we, we we need to say as well. Listen, planting, revitalization, that's not plan B, right? You don't go do that because you couldn't get a job somewhere else, mm -hmm. right? You don't go do that because you were, uh, you know, the missions pastor at your church and you didn't get promoted to what you wanted to be. So now God has called you to do a new work in your city and you're going to steal part of the population of your church. You, that's not That's not it at all. You become a planter or, or do revitalization because that's where God has moved you and God has called you to. Mm -hmm. If you don't have a, a calling to that, you will fail. And we know that the majority of church plants fail, right? Mm -hmm. And you've already said churches are closing their doors at staggering numbers, plateauing and declining at staggering numbers. Um, so as as you think about if, if one of these is a, a choice for you, uh, I do, I do throw, I do want to throw a little plea out there that there's a lot of churches that need revitalization, and some people don't have the the patience mm -hmm. for that. Mm -hmm. But as I was told by uh, our local missions leader, and he's fantastic, he just said, Brandon, if you if you'll plug in for five years, you'll be so satisfied and, and have so much joy with what comes from that. Mm. Uh, but how many people want to go? Okay, in five years, my ministry is going to be where I, you know. That, that seems like a long time, but is it? No, it's just we live in this McDonald's society where we want what we want and we want it now. We want it hot and salty, mm -hmm. you know? Um, and so, yeah, uh, and I, I guess something else I wanted to get to, but unless you wanted to say something. Yeah, no, that's real. That's real good. I think, uh, again, like for me, I was just, you know, just shepherding a young seminary student who's aspiring to be a pastor. And, uh, you know, and there's transparency, openness, authenticity. And uh, in that moment, the person was sharing that I'm really hurt. I'm really, uh, this is painful. This is sad. And this, I was like, hey, you know, we are gospel-driven ministry, not an emotionally reactive ministry. Right. And, uh, you know, I that, that feeling is real. And I say emotions are, you know, great, great indicator, but not ought to be your dictator of your life. Right. And and I just said, I, I just, just hear me out, brother. I just, you know, I just said, in those moments, like you need to learn because your emotions going to say, I'm going to lash out. Mm -hmm. I'm going to have a pity party here. I'm not going to read God's word because I'm not chosen at a certain position or recognition or title. But the, the reality, revitalization or re, uh, planting or planting, none of those matters. Your education or your experience or you have the Greek scholar or you were right. the best preacher in your seminary class. What really is going to matter is that can you love them like Jesus did? So mentioned mm -hmm. gospel-driven ministry. We just met with Jared Wilson, who authored gospel-driven ministry. And one of the chapters he talked about that he made it a practice of himself where he says, I love you. And okay. it, he was joking about Mark Dever from <laughs> Capitol Hill with joking. was, oh, I'm 
that's so not masculine. And I can't tell my flock I love them. But, you know, he, he kind of pushed back and he said, you know, there's our flock. Maybe it's been days, it's been weeks, it's been months, it's been years since they heard anybody say, I love you. Mm. Not because of how they feel or what they deserve, but because they're image bearers. Mm. And then he said, that's a good reminder for them and for me as a shepherd who emulate Christ. And I thought, wow, I need to be reminded of that. Mm. There are times that I don't feel like it. And humanly speaking, it doesn't make sense with the flesh. You know, but we continue loving the people. We continue shepherding the people. We continue to look to them. I look to Christ, who's our chief shepherd, as mm-hmm. we feed the flock, tend the sheep, you know, John 21. So anyway, yeah, enough of my preaching, but I just kind of, I was just thinking about no, that. No, but that's good. I mean, these are, so if, let's think about some suggestions that we would like to uh, to give you. Either way, if you're looking at planning or revitalization, and I think that's the first one. Uh, you want to model model what you want your church to become and and if i saying i love you is is great i actually tell my church i love them every week mm-hmm. i have the same outro every week i say uh i love you church uh go make disciples basically uh, you know i'll see you next time um so you want to model who you want the church to become if you're in a planting situation or revitalization situation model that for people uh and i got some other suggestions and i think that's probably a good spot for us to wind down to you is that okay mm-hmm. with you? yeah yeah um, one is check your expectations, planting or revitalization. What do you, ex- what are you really expecting to happen? Because you need to check that at the door because I can guarantee it's not going to go that way. It, mm-hmm. In my experience with ministry, it never goes the way I expected. I expected God was going to bring me into a multi-ethnic church. And in my head, I had this picture of, of, you know, where I'm from in Texas. And, and it was a third, you know, a black and a Hispanic Latino and uh, a white church. My church is multi-ethnic and nothing like that, right? My church, we definitely have white and black folks, but we have Korean and we have uh, Indian and uh, other Asian groups. And, uh, you know, it, it just looks very, very different, right? Mm-hmm. And guess what? Uh, if you have a, a, a large, if you have some cultures, it's going to impact the way your worship goes. In my experience so far is most of my Asian cultures, they're they're not hooping and hurraying and jumping up and down like like my heart does whenever I worship. And so you check that, you know, your expectations. Um, so you need to decide that. What do you think? What's your expectations in one year, two year, five years? And and be willing to be honest with yourself. That's one thing I would say. If you want to say anything towards any of nope, this, you can jump no, in. No, that's good. That's good. That's a good word. Uh, the next thing I'm, I want to tell you is surround yourself with the right people. Mm. Okay. If you're planting, you've got an unusual opportunity to surround yourself with, with new people. And this, this is going to be your cohort that's going to support you. I know a lot of missions groups that will not send anybody unless there's at least two leaders. And that's important. You need, you need that, right? Uh, but if you're going into a revitalization, you may be the only new guy. There may be pastors already there. And so you still have to surround yourself with the right group, figure out who, who is your friend and, and, and who, who will ally with you in the new movement of God. And, you know, I don't want to say it this way, but sometimes there are people that are very, I don't want to call them foes. Let's just say they're, they're not for the change, right? They're not for the changes. They're, their feelings are hurt. They weren't chosen to be the next pastor, things along those lines. So you want to surround yourself with the right people. Um, something else. Uh, I said modeling and you said love. I'm also, I'm also going to say model encouragement. Mm, model yeah. encouragement. I try to consistently tell my team, 
I'm I say something like, I'm just so encouraged by the effort that you've put into this. This is mm-hmm. fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, because you want to be a place of encouragement. Why? Because churches continually become discouraging places, mm-hmm. right? They're discouraging for your family. If you're planting, you're not going to get enough money. If you're planting, this could happen. Like you, you, you have day one, your opening day, and you have this number in your head. You think you're going to look out and see 50 people, and there's five on opening day, you know, and you have to decide, are you going to be faithful to that? And, you know, so you want to consistently encourage yourself, encourage your, your peers and, and those around you. So those are a few for me. I bet you have a few as well. Yeah, you know, I think uh, just to kind of piggyback on the last one, I think that's so true. Like, but if you're trying to look for encouragement within your soul, I don't think you're going to find it. Okay. Um, you know, I just think, you know, because I mean, our heart is deceitfully wicked. Who can even know it? Um, you know, and, the, and life is struggling. Uh, teenagers, you know, you know, in the hoods, in the streets, uh, kids, young people are looking for, uh, for peace because it's full of conflict. Mm-hmm. They're looking for hope and they can't find hope. They're looking for love and they hook up, you know, one night stands and so forth. I need to, as a pastor, be reminded to not just believe it, but to show it mm-hmm. and to live it. That said, hey. I know your life is full of struggles, mm-hmm. but there is peace and he has a name. Yeah, that's good. You know, there it's, it seems hopeless, your situation, because you're helpless, but you can have hope and right. he has a name. I know you're looking for genuine love in, in the wrong areas, but let me, let me share with you. You can find love and he has a name and his name is Jesus Christ. But that starts with me, mm-hmm. right? It's not this... You know, I see from a distance, it's that I love you, right? Even the word I love you, right? It needs to be shown in action, right? It's not just an abstract principle that embrace an ideology, but it's something that needs me to be constantly visiting their home and in their homes and in their brokenness and, and then me loving them, right? Mm-hmm. And, and I think that's important just going back to, you know, John 21, Jesus had questions like, do you love me? Mm-hmm. And, and Peter says, what? Well, yes, I do. Then he says, feed my sheep. Right. And that's, I think that's the way to show that we really love Jesus and love his people and love the people on the streets because Jesus loved them. Mm. And I want to kind of, in a kind of most compassionate way that I want to say, but if you're a pastor and you're a leader and you don't love your sheep, Mm. maybe you should quit Mm. because Jesus is going to challenge us on that day. Say, did you feed my sheep? Do you love me? If we love Jesus, then we will love his flock and we will feed them. Um, so that's something that's been a reality in my every day of my ministry. And uh, that starts with us, right? And we need to come to Jesus and look to him. Look to the cross. Look to him. Behold the glory of God. Behold the love of Jesus. And then naturally it's going to begin to warm our affection and, and be able to encourage others. So uh, if you're discouraged, look to Christ. Look to the cross. Look to him who is the supreme example of all. Yeah. As we get as we came into this uh this talk today, we knew we would never even be able to scratch the surface of of if you should go plant, if you should go revitalize. We just wanted to give you some of our our uh our experiences and and those things that we've seen that we've learned as we've gone through classes and those types of of ideas. Um but hey, uh you, you know where we're at. You can always reach out to us. Um you can catch us on Twitter right yeah all that good stuff yeah all that fun jazz man. all that fun social media um and you know we we love we love the church we love you guys and uh we're we're encouraged by y'all we're encouraged that you guys uh choose to 
I'm just a kid from the trailer park that fell in love with Jesus and you choose to listen to me? Like, what's wrong with you? You know, like, it's, it's so good. Um, yeah, but, but maybe this is a good spot for us to, to kind of wrap this up for today. Yeah. Thank you for listening again. Hope you, to catch you guys in the next episode. Uh, you guys have a blessed day, all right? We'll see you later. Ciao.